0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Aren't you glad to be in the presence of the Lord? <laughs> we should never take this for granted. We should never take this for granted. No matter how many times you feel His presence, it ought to shake us and move us and stir us. Amen. Somewhere deep, deep, deep within. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be in church, good to be home, and thank you for everyone who covered for us while we were away, and we're happy to be back this morning. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to let's just pray over the word of the Lord and ask his spirit to touch our hearts this morning. Amen. I want to speak what the Lord would have me to speak. I want to move me out of the way and let the Holy Ghost just touch our hearts. Praise the Lord. I love you today, Jesus, and I thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your presence. I'm asking you, Lord, today to let your word do the work. Let your word do the work today and let your presence touch our heart and our mind and strengthen us by the power of the Holy Ghost today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Thank you for just tapping into the presence of the Lord. I'm happy to have my longtime friend, Mason Wade, with us today and his mom and aunt from South Carolina. Thank you for being here with us this morning and and I just trust that the Lord will help all of us to be better when we leave today. I want to turn your attention to the book of Luke chapter 19. And uh, the good news is last night, or yesterday afternoon, I preached an anniversary service in Benel, and that was the first time preaching in three weeks, and about 15 minutes into it, I started losing my voice, so you may be in good shape today, or either I got it back last night, and you're in trouble, one of the two, amen, but let's let the Lord touch our hearts here today, the book of Luke 19, and verse number one, this is a familiar story, some of you sitting here today heard this, I for one, in Sunday school, and uh, was probably illustrated on a flannel graph board for some of us, and uh, if you don't know what a flannel graph board is, I just feel sorry for you, that's all I know to say, <laughs> I just feel sorry for you. The book of Luke, chapter 19, and verse number 1, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Amen. I'm thankful for the continuity of the kingdom of God and the spirit of God to to bring us collectively into one place. I'm thankful for the opening song today. I, I had nothing to do with that but it is in absolute harmony and theme with what I feel the Lord would would speak to our heart about. We have felt the presence of the Lord this morning already. We're just a few minutes into this service, and we haven't felt kind of a subtle presence of God, but I feel an overwhelming presence of the Lord, a very humbling presence of God. And I want to talk about that presence today, and if, if I could just use this for a subject this morning I would I would say this. There's just something about his presence. I, I can't explain it. And uh, if you have ever uh, uh, been somewhere like Disney World or something equivalent to that and you were to come home and try to explain it to someone, even if you had pictures, it would just, in your heart and mind, seemingly fall woefully short of being able to convey because there's just something about the presence of the Lord. We can go home and... This afternoon, try to to explain to someone what we have felt and experienced at times being in the presence of God, and it would just, again, it would come so short. Our vocabulary would seem so limited in what uh, we were really trying to say. If you were to, to try to share tomorrow on your job what the Lord has done in your life, I understand that when we get through doing our very best, we feel that we have missed the mark of fully explaining because there's just something about the presence of the Lord. And I I don't ever, as I've already stated, want to take that for granted, but I always want the Lord to know that I am moved by his presence. Uh, As a young, very young man, as a young married man, I would would see elderly couples that still, even though their pace uh, had literal, physical pace in life had somewhat slowed, Um, And maybe there was a limp to their step and silver in their hair. There was something in their eyes when they looked at their companion as a young man i said i don't know what that is but i don't ever want to lose that and that's proof that you well i think i do know what it is but but uh, <laughs> but i don't ever want to lose that i don't want time or circumstance to whittle that away i don't want life to just slowly a day at a time chip away i, I want to hold on to this and there is proof there are living examples that you don't have to lose that you can maintain that somehow and so today about the presence of the Lord I want us to consider this if we can collectively the main focus to consider in this passage however is the fact that a man climbed a tree in order to he might be able to see the Lord I understand sometimes when you go all the way back to a Sunday school story you can almost disconnect adults but I'm asking you don't disconnect yet Okay, amen, here's a man that wasn't able to see the Lord and so he climbed the tree so that he might have a greater vantage point to be able to behold him because the Bible says that he was small of stature. And so in that context, if we were just to say that Jesus was visiting a city, there was a crowd of people and one man in the crowd because he couldn't see climbed the tree so that he could get a better point of view In that context, it's just not all that stirring, amen, because it's just another man or another person that wanted to see the Lord. I I would scarcely say today that there would have been many people that had that same desire, and that is to see this man that we have heard so, uh, so much about. He was just, Zacchaeus was just really one person of thousands, That wanted to do the very same thing. They just wanted to see him. Many of us have had the opportunity to meet people in our lifetime that we didn't really think we'd ever have the chance to meet, whether that was uh, some kind of government official or someone that had been a mentor from a distance to us, someone that we had admired from afar. And so we understand power of that and just wanting to be able to get a glimpse of them. I remember uh, a man that I had admired so much in ministry and, and uh, I had read so many of his books and heard so many of his messages. I, I never will, I'm not trying to make celebrity of men, but I think you understand what I'm saying that I never will forget the first time at a conference whenever we just passed down the same aisle, I thought, wow, wow. It's, he's really real. I mean, this is just not an author of a book. This is not just a, a man's picture on a page, but he just walked by, and, and uh, not not to worship him or anything of that nature, but here was Jesus, a man who had done so much and meant so much to so many. But Zacchaeus was just one person in all of this, Uh, not just this collective crowd today, but in all of the people that wanted to see him. Thousands of others before him had wanted to do the same thing. And so I asked myself, why? Why then was this deed considered important enough to be recorded in scripture? Because John said if we were to write Everything that could be written, the world couldn't contain the book. And so how is it then that, that a man named Zacchaeus would get an honorable mention. How is it that he would find himself among the elite that we could pick up a book these many years later and read about? I think if we can pause for just a few minutes of time today, we may see something with fresh eyes if we'll let the Lord help us. The Bible says that, that Jesus entered passing through Jericho and behold, a certain man a chief among the publicans, a wealthy man according to scripture. He sought to see Jesus who he was. Amen. He he was not just a man looking for a miracle. He was not just a man trying to get something from the Lord. It wasn't that he needed the Lord to help him with his coffers. He didn't have blinded eyes or crippled limbs or deaf ears. He needed nothing from the Lord in that regard. I think we can make that assumption from scripture. But there was something in his heart. I need to see this man named Jesus and I need to find out who he is. I want to see him for who he is I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord that has helped us already today feel better than perhaps we felt just a few moments ago. But can I tell you today that the Lord didn't just show up in our midst today so that he can pat us on the back and we can just feel a little bit better because there's something about the presence of the Lord. If we can let his presence not satisfy us but let his presence just stir something inside of us a little deeper that says I don't Want this to end just because this service time comes to a conclusion, or these lights of the assembly are turned out, or our schedule predicts that we must go in another direction but while I am in the presence of the Lord I want to do whatever I need to do whatever is necessary to do to find out who he is hallelujah I want to get close enough that I can see the color of his eyes and the imperfections of his flesh I want to get close enough that I can feel the breath of the Lord I don't want the Lord to just pass by here today in 10 or 12 minutes and we kind of reach our spiritual zenith and say that's good enough for me but I want the Lord to pause in our presence today I want him to pause in my presence, I want to see who he is I want to as Thomas did touch his nail scarred hands I want to touch his pierced side I want to feel something today about him that I've never felt before The Bible said he wanted to see him who he was, but he could not for the press because he was little of stature and he ran before, climbed up into a sycamore tree for he knew he was to pass that way. I must do whatever is necessary to find out who he is In order for me to see him, in order for Zacchaeus to see him, in order for you and I to see him, the first thing we must do is overcome our own weaknesses. We must overcome the things that hinder us and hold us back. And I think for the most part, while those particular things that hold us back would vary from individual to individual, I think we are pretty aware of what they are. Amen. I'm not here to preach to you. I'm here to preach to us today. I'm here to preach to me this morning. We are eminently aware of the areas for the most part of our life where we need God to help us. But I believe that the spirit of the Lord is drawing us to a closer relationship and walk with him. And so the Bible says of this man he sought out a tree that he could climb. I know that seems a little bit trite when we read that, amen, but it was what was necessary for him to get a better vantage point that he could see the Lord, amen. And so for in order for Zacchaeus to first see the Lord, he had to first see himself for what he was. Amen, he wasn't six foot six, I don't suppose according to scripture. He wasn't this man that had it all together in that regard. He was a man that had some shortcomings. Amen, he was a man, no pun intended. He was a man, he was a man that needed to do something about the things in his life that served as a deficit for him and he was willing to do that. I wonder today if we would be willing to do something about the things that we're aware of. I wonder if we would be willing willing to say, I'm gonna seek something out that will bring balance into my life. I'm going to seek something out that will help me today be what God wants me to be. In order for him to see Jesus for who he was, he first had to see himself for who he was. Amen. And so if God were to reveal himself to us today in the tangible form. I've talked about this many times, but I have felt this pressing in my spirit uh, since early this morning that sometimes we think, you know, what we would do if there would just be a visible, literal present, uh, presentation of the Lord or revelation of the Lord in our midst. I believe that, I believe that while we think in our mind, that it would just be what we have already felt kind of times 10 or times 100 or times 1,000. I don't, really think that would be the case at all I believe that if the Lord were to visibly show up in this building today right now amen I believe that there would be a I believe there would be an overwhelming spirit of repentance that would hit our heart and hit our soul amen because in the presence of his righteousness in the presence of his holiness in the presence of hallelujah in the presence of his majesty I don't think I would have the, the I don't think I I would be wanting to high five the Lord I think I would be on my face before him. Amen. Not in condemnation. I'm not talking about condemnation but I believe the righteousness of God would so reveal the unrighteousness of Steve that I would have to find an altar somewhere. Hallelujah. And crumple this flesh. I would see me for who I am. I would see my difficulties. I would see my deficits. I would see that that's holding me back from touching the presence of God in the way that he wants to reveal himself and I say oh Lord while it may not be possible for us to behold you today I want to draw close enough to you that I can see me not how I see me but I can see me as you see me praise God praise God While I was in my office, (laughs) I was trying to think of something and I couldn't think of it and somebody jokingly said, while you're preaching, you're going to think about it. And I said, if I do, I'm going to write it down. And I did. And I'll get to that in just a few minutes. It's It's on page none of your business. Amen. You'll get nervous if I tell you what page that's on. Amen. But I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord. I believe there would be an across the board repentance. I believe there would be a spirit of God that would bro- that would be that would bring brokenness to our heart and brokenness to our life. Hear me clearly. Not so that God can crush us to destroy us, but so that God can crush us to make us again. Jeremiah said in chapter 18 I went to the potter's house and behold he wrought a work on the wheel but it became marred in the hand of the potter. I'm going to tell you something today if you got mars in your life if you'll just stay in the hand of the potter it's going to be okay. Hallelujah because you're in the hands of the only one that can do anything about it. I may have imperfections and I do and so my business is to try to stay at Jeremiah 18. I'm going to climb back up on that wheel this morning, hallelujah, long before the sun rose today, long before the sun came up this morning I laid on my face in our living room, amen, what I was doing this morning was trying to find the potter's wheel and I was saying, God touch me today, oh God mold my mind today God forgive me of my sins forgive me of my transgressions Mould me and make me again deal with the imperfections in my life praise God Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. In the presence of God's majesty, we ought to do more. We ought to do more than just sing and shout. But there is something about the presence of God that ought to bring us sobering to our spirit i want to tell you something. If the presence of God only moves you to joy and never moves you to tears, there's an imbalance in your life. If the presence of God and the word of God only moves us to see our wonder and to see how wonderful we are and it never moves us to change and it never moves us to be stirred in our spirit, we've got an imbalance in our life. I thank you Lord for the encouragement. This is the rest wherewith he will cause the weary to rest. I'm thankful today for the spirit of encouragement that I feel in this house but I don't want him to just leave me now because I want him to touch my heart. I want him to touch my life and forgive me of my imperfection and forgive me of my sin and mold me and make me again because there's just something about his presence. There's just something about his presence. I can't get over it. Isaiah 64 and 6. The Bible says often we've Refer to this Isaiah 64 and 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, for all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away our very best you're familiar with this passage many of you our very best is going to wither in the presence of God our very best is going to come short amen so there it is before us today it is all of our righteousness measured against supreme deity it is all of the holiness of our flesh measured against supreme deity and he said it is an unclean thing and it's like a leaf that will fade and it's like a leaf that will be blown away by the wind amen when that happens we fail and that's why repentance is so vitally important for the church today repentance is not for the just for the sinner repentance is not a one-time thing repentance ought to be something we do every day amen why because we are robed in flesh and we are subject to error and we are subject to failure and so I'm going to robe myself. Because I am robed in flesh, I want to bathe myself in the presence of the Lord and ask him to wash me and make me clean. Praise God. I often think at the end of the day and after a shower and getting all cleaned up, I just often think now why wouldn't everybody want to do that? But I meet some that are probably seemingly and apparently not as affectionately connected to that as others amen but it's a vital part and so that brings a sense of urgency to us when we feel the presence of God I've got to make this right I've got to do something about this it brings about the realization that our sins and shortcomings when we are in his presence we realize that it's been covered by the blood of the lamb we think about that and we're so grateful for that but we must see ourselves as we really are I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 20, chapter 30, excuse me, and read a couple of passages here just for our consideration today. In Exodus 30 and 19, the Bible says, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet. Hear it again. That they die not. I'm gonna tell you something. Death is a pretty serious thing. And so twice, twice the Lord has commanded and commissioned them down a very specific path for a specific reason. He said you need to do this lest you die. You need to do this lest you die. Amen. And they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and his seed throughout their generations. And so here today is the powerful truth. I wanna go to one more verse to underline the powerful truth of this scripture. And that is Exodus 38 and eight. The Bible said, and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Let's read that again a little slow. And he made the laver of brass, and the foot of brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And so this important step that the lord is dealing with in the 30th chapter about the laver and the washing of their hands and their feet lest they die now the laver is being described in pretty good detail in chapter 38 or it's actually being made here in actual, actually being made here in chapter 38 he made the laver of brass and the foot of it was brass and it was made, he said, of the looking glasses of the women that assembled. The labor of brass. This labor is signified often in scripture as a cauldron or a pot. It, it, it seems to signify a large round vessel or a basin that was used for the washing of the hands and the feet. And he said, the foot of the labor, the pedestal of the labor, the labor was also of brass. But it was made of brass and it was fashioned after the the Bible uses a, a unique phrase here: the looking glass, or the looking glasses, plural of the women that was that was there. And this is referred to as a, a sort of a mirror. The looking glass would be what we would we would call a mirror today; it would serve the same purpose. And the primary reason for mirrors and its primary use beyond, of course, sometimes they're just there for decoration, but its primary use is for us to be able to see ourselves. And so think about that in this light. When Aaron and his sons came to wash and prepare themselves for the service of the Lord, they washed, amen, the first thing that would happen to them when they bent over that pot To be able to wash their hands was to see a reflection of themselves and who they were. Amen, I think that is so important today that we get a glimpse of who we really are. A glimpse of who we really are. Some time ago, I heard about a young entrepreneur who was, uh, uh, she was a, a little bit dissatisfied with uh, with her, her body image, or, or at least her self image, and, and that she wasn't happy with what she saw in the mirror. And so she devised what she thought would be the perfect plan to curb uh, her, her her dislike. And so she created what she called a skinny mirror. And this mirror would, would uh, of course, was by design to take uh, X number of pounds off of you when you, uh, or at least give you the impression that that was what was taking place when you looked into the mirror. And so her. Uh, her campaign was then to go to retail stores and uh, clothing stores to get them to buy and many of them did and many of them reported that after they hung uh, these skinny mirrors in their dressing room that their sales went up. I'm, I'm telling you the truth now. I mean, their sales went up and so she was trying to get people to invest in this and and others that were seeing this through a different lens was was, was of the opinion can't you see that sales Telling a lie, can't you can't you understand that this is deception? And and, and they said, what are you going to do when these uh, when these people get home and they see themselves as they really are? She said, we're going to sell them a skinny mirror for their home. Now I know we can kind of grin, but she's dead serious. Hey man, are you hearing me today? There's an underlying message that there's a lot of people that would say, Lord, I don't want to see me as I really am, but if you just give me a spiritual mirror and let me just look in this spiritual mirror when I'm at church. Amen, as long as I'm in this house while I'm at 503 Southeast Cephas Liston Road, let me look in this mirror and let me get one mental image of who I am spiritually in your presence and understand that when we go home, we are not that man and we are not that woman. We are not that individual. I say, God, help us to rid the church of skinny mirrors and spiritual mirrors. Amen, facades and faults. That Help us believe that we are more than we really are. I say today, God, if we've ever been real, let's be real here. If we're ever gonna be genuine, good, bad, and ugly, God, show us where we are and show us what we are. That's the only way we're gonna be able to deal with this. You're gonna have to show me. Praise God. It's an uncomfortable thing when people start showing you where you really are. Right. Dr. Ben Samara in Brantford has been my family doctor for, really, for ever since I was 17, but when we came back here in 1989, started going back there, and, and some few years ago, just by virtue of years, my file's pretty thick. And, and I'm not even sure what prompted this, but one day I was in the office and, he started going back through the the files, and he said, "You know when you first started coming here, you weighed I squirmed a little bit there. I thought he was going to leave it alone, and then he just kept going through the years. It was getting awfully uncomfortable because I was swelling before his very eyes <laughs> You know, you see in those little cartoons when you fan the papers and the characters just move a little bit at the time. That's what I saw. He was fanning through that file and I just saw myself blowing up. And i very sorry for that mental image, but I just saw myself blowing up. And it, was, it was an uncomfortable thing. And he said, you got to do something about this. You got to do something about this. It's an uncomfortable thing when we bend over that labor. see ourselves how we really are I did not go to bed in this suit last night I did not crawl out of bed in this suit this morning the first image I got of me this morning was not the image you have what I saw this morning was tired and weary what I saw this morning was dishuffled needed to be washed needed to be combed what I saw this morning was not what you're seeing today. Right now, what I saw, I needed to do something about that. When you bend over that labor, before you ever dip your hands into it, you come face to face with you. There you are. There are your imperfections. I'm not saying this to condemn today. Please hear me. Amen. You see, there first has to be an examination of us before we can go to the service of the Lord. Amen. Because the Lord said, lest they die lest you die, this is serious business, we're not talking about just an ingrown hair here, we're not, we're not talking about just something slightly out of kilter amen, we, this is serious, when you behold yourself, when you look into that labor, for the first time that man, that person, that's the one that needs working on, because if you come into the presence of God with the sin in your life, or with dirt in your life, amen, he said you're going to die, and that's what scares me beyond the telling today when we think we can live any old way we want to live and then just walk into the presence of God as though God is just seeing us for the very first time at 10 o'clock. As though God is just looking at us for the very first time. Amen. The Lord saw where we were yesterday and he saw what fire we were warming our hands over last week he saw what we were entertaining ourselves with he sees what captivates our heart and where our treasure is I say Lord amen I don't want you to work on this man today amen I want you to work on that man that I see before the water is stirred before the water is stirred amen before the image is blurred that's the man that's the man that I gotta work on today that is the man that I have to work on Amen. That's why we ought to pray before every service amen that's why we ought to be in the presence of the Lord amen that's why we ask our church leadership to pray before you perform the duties that are so vital to this church for God in heaven's sake don't just kick that Sunday school room door open and walk in there and say I got it because I've been a Sunday school teacher for all these years or don't just walk into some place or position don't just sit down at the piano don't just sit down don't just sit down at an instrument don't just pick up a microphone and say I can do this because I've been doing this for you And I know how to sing alto or soprano. I know how to sing lead. I know how to do all the things. What we really need to do is get in the presence of the Lord. And I need to climb that tree. I need to find what it is that will make up the difference to help me get in the presence of the Lord and let me see him who he is. (sighs) Real prayer. I'm not talking about our best stained glass voice prayer. I'm talking about real prayer where we get honest with God an opportunity to examine ourselves. It's an uncomfortable thing unless you're a little bit narcissistic. It's an uncomfortable thing to see yourself in a picture. It's an uncomfortable thing to hear your voice on a recording. It's an uncomfortable thing to see your image in a video. It's an uncomfortable process, but oh, how necessary. I've shared many times how that my pastor used to say in our coming up years, he would say, now I want you to get a tape. I've already gotten with a sound person. I want you to get a tape. I want you to listen to your message. I want you to listen to yourself. I want you to listen to what you're subjecting everybody else to. I'm, up, I'm telling the truth, as I often say, I've been telling the truth all morning. <laughs> I didn't just start, and that's an uncomfortable thing, an uncomfortable thing. Hear your voice, just say, Oh." I didn't know I sounded that. I didn't know oh, I didn't mean to say it that. Oh, it's an uncomfortable thing. But what he was trying to do was he was trying to knock off those rough edges. He was. You got to see yourself as you are. You need to hear yourself as you are. Amen. What the Lord would say to us today is buy the CD. What the Lord would say is buy the DVD. What the Lord would say is look at yourself. Amen. We need to abolish the idea of skinny mirrors. Amen. Things that'll just make us feel better about ourselves. What we know in our heart, it's not the truth when we know in our soul it's not the truth somebody can say oh you're this or you're that amen but when we know there's something different we ought to say oh God help me to not buy into the press reports of people around me but I'm an unclean man I'm a man with unclean lips I'm a man that needs your power I'm a man that needs your presence oh God to mold me again praise God that's why Jesus said in Matthew, that's why Jesus said in Matthew, if you bring your gift to the altar and realize, some people get this backwards, and realize that your brother has an ought against you. Not that you have an ought against your brother, but you realize there's, that, that, that your brother has an ought. He said, leave your gift at the altar. Amen, and go... Be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. What happens at that moment of gift giving, at that moment of exchange as we are made eminently aware in the presence of God things that need to be addressed? Some things you have to take care of. Some of the greatest trouble I've ever had in my life came from ignoring problems. Wishing they would go away. Wishing they would work themselves out. A lot of things do, but not everything does. If you have a leaking roof, chances are it's not just going to stop leaking. The altar is a place of revelation. David said it like this when he was referring to the power of God to restore. Psalms 23, it's so familiar to us. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Because there I can see myself. Amen. A season of revelation. When the Lord healed the man that was blind, one of the men that was blind, one of the methods that he used was to take a spittle of clay, as the scripture refers, rub it in the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I don't know today about you, but I just play that out frame by frame in my mind. In the presence of the Lord, the mud on his eyes, not really understanding what was truly going on. And the Lord saying, go wash yourself. And as he washed, he was healed according to scripture. But the first thing he saw was his own reflection. The first thing I ever behold is me in the presence of the Lord. Was his first inclination was, I'm healed? Or was his first inclination, this is me? This is me? This is me? I'm not taking away from the power, the miraculous that his life, this is really me. In the presence of the Lord, we have that this is really me experience. Isaiah 6 and 1. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. One cried, Holy. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. This was Isaiah's takeaway. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Something about the presence of the Lord. There's just something about the presence of the Lord. God didn't just show up today to show out but God showed up to reveal not only himself but to reveal us. I pray God to touch us today. Isaiah in the presence of the Lord realized his own folly and his own failings and, and I've prayed for years and will continue to pray for a move of the Holy Ghost to so saturate this church and our hearts that we see ourselves first and stop looking at one another. We just see ourselves because if I find myself I got enough work right there cut out for me. Amen. I, I, I can't worry about that over there. I got to, I, I got to deal with this right here. And David said in his moment of repentance after the debacle of Bathsheba and Uriah and all that went wrong David said wash me thoroughly, Truly, wash, wash me wash me, wash me and cleanse me when I was a little boy growing up my mom, those of you who knew and remember my mom she was a very small lady very small frame lady And I can just remember as a young child, if I didn't, I caught on to this pretty early, if I didn't wash my ears correctly, she washed them. Her idea of washing my ears was to hang a wash rag on the end of her little finger that she could have inserted into the eye socket of a house fly. And she would, she would she would push it through until it almost shows on the other side and she'd give it one of those so I learned early on it'd just be a lot better off if you do this yourself and I feel like I've had the finger of the Lord pierce my soul I would have been a lot better off just to have dealt with that up front But you see, sometimes we just don't want to pay the price that comes with really being changed significantly. We like the moving and the stirring and the moment of feeling better about ourselves, but to be truly changed requires a price. It extracts something from it it leaves us changed it leaves us forever scarred in some ways a few days ago i was listening to a talk show on xm radio and it was a call-in show and a young lady on the other end had called in and and she was needing some advice and and she began to talk about how her she was the younger sibling the younger sister and how that her older sister wanted her to be a surrogate mother for her and so as the uh, the doctor on the other end of the line be, began to talk to her about some real facts that would be involved in this uh, she said you know you need to weigh in the fact that you're going to be emotionally connected to this child and And uh, she wasn't trying to talk her out of it, she was just trying to point out some real life bridges that you're going to have to cross. You can't just carry a baby in your womb for all of these months and then just hand it off as though, you know, it's just a, a novelty item and it not somehow affect you. Uh, emotionally and 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 you need to be prepared for that and as, and as they kept talking about this some something was said apparently I missed it but but it triggered the the, the mind of the of the doctor that was on the other end and and uh and so she started kind of drilling down on this Trying to find out why. Why is there a physical problem with your older sister? Is there some reason that she can't bear children? And that question, those questions were met by stunning silence on the other end of the phone. Finally, in just a moment, this younger sibling broke her silence and said, Well, the truth of the matter is that is that she is a, a businesswoman and she's involved in a corporate world, her and her husband are, you know, they're just kind of real big time in the corporate world, and, and she wants a child, but she just doesn't have time. She doesn't want to go through what she'll have to go through, and eventually she said, she actually says that she doesn't want her body to be changed. And wisely, the doctor on the other end of the phone said, Ma'am, your sister has no business trying to be a parent. Because she wants somebody else to do all the work. You go through the change in your body. You go through the scars. You go through the pain and just hand me the reward at the end of the day. But it doesn't work like that. She said, if you were to do this, I will tell you that you'll not only do your sister a disservice, but you'll do this child a disservice because she has no connection. Now, you can de- agree or do you, you can exit off this ramp anywhere you want to exit off, but I'm going to tell you sometimes we're guilty of the same thing. We want somebody to walk to this pulpit and preach a message that will just revolutionize our lives and change us and we can buy the DVD or the CD and walk away and say we've just been this was my change point because we don't want to be changed in our body. We don't want the stretch marks and I'm not trying to be graphic here today. We don't want we don't want the pain and the discomfort. We don't want the morning sickness. We don't want anything to be undone. We don't want to change our wardrobe. We don't want to change our mind. I don't want to have to wear the maternity clothes. I don't want to have to do this but can I tell you that there's something about the presence of the Lord that helps us to get willing. Amen. I'm willing today. Amen. How about you? I'm willing today God to let your hand touch me. I'm willing this morning to let your mind be in my mind and your heart be in my heart because I realize that if I'm going to give birth to something and then be spiritually emotionally connected to it I'm going to have to be the man that bends over that labor. I'm going have to be the man that washes his own hands and washes his own feet lest I die. Lest I die. Let's stand. Can we do that? Lest I die. This is serious, serious, serious business. Somebody just hand us. You know, we use the word revival pretty loosely and dangerously today. Like it's some foreign entity that's just going to come land in our midst. It doesn't happen that way. You don't purchase revival on the shelf. You don't just go buy a can of it. You don't, you don't, you don't buy a prayer life. You don't just go buy a manual and a how-to. And, I mean, it's about dying daily. It's about just dying out to self. It's about bending over that labor, but sometimes we're so reticent to bend over because we don't want to see the man in the just give me a skinny mirror just give me a spiritual mirror give me a godly mirror give me a righteous mirror give me a holy mirror And let me look at myself and let me walk away feeling better about myself but inside I know that's not the man that's not really the man that's not really the man I've said so many many times and I've not just said this here, I've said this in teaching many other places, especially in ministry classes and things of that nature, that, that if the whole world is applauding you and the people who know you best are seated, you got a problem. I see your curious. Look, Brother Gibson, I'll explain that. If all of you are standing on your feet and clapping while I'm preaching but my wife is over there on Facebook I got problems because she knows the man in the mirror but if you're alone on Facebook while I'm preaching and she's standing carry on because she knows the man in the mirror (laughs) she knows the man in the mirror and so I can't come today with the idea that I just want to try to woo you and impress you I don't want you to think I'm just trying to woo her and impress her but I'm talking about God making a spiritual application here because he knows the man in the mirror and so this morning I said God I need you to walk to that pulpit with me I can't do this by myself as a matter of fact I'm not willing to even try to do this by myself I will fall miserably short but oh God if you'll touch me amen if you'll help me to work on me help me to work on me and there's just something about the presence of the Lord there's just something about the presence of the Lord I wonder today I feel the Holy Ghost in this house I wonder today if the presence of the Lord could touch every one of us as we stand here today let's not just try to move to the next order of business let's not just try to move to the next order of our service but pray that God would touch our hearts in this house now amen let's pray together can we do that hallelujah Oh, in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus